Welcome to this week's edition of Ocean Allison, where I bring you the best in ocean science, education, and conservation through conversations with people who are creating positive change for the ocean. This week's podcast episode is brought to you by you, the listeners. A big thank you to everyone that's contributed a dollar or more per episode via my subscription-based funding platform at patreon.com slash oceanallison. For those that haven't, visit patreon.com slash oceanallison to watch my video and learn more about how you can help keep the podcast episodes coming. The Ocean and I greatly appreciate your support. And now to this week's episode. This week's ocean advocate is Kat Crable. Kat is a Hawaii-based jewelry maker sparking conversations about ocean plastic with her company, Nurdle in the Rough. Hi, Kat. Welcome to the show. Hi. Thanks for having me. Yeah, very excited to talk with you today all about your amazing jewelry and the story behind it. So to give listeners a little bit of background, Kat and I have never actually met in person, but we connected A few years ago, via social media, I started following her on Instagram and loved her jewelry and the story behind it, and I actually purchased a custom pair of earrings from Kat for my sister. I obviously love the story behind these earrings, and that's why I want to highlight them on the show today. So I want to start out, Kat, by asking you, I said in the intro, your company is called Nurdle in the Rough. So Mm -hmm. can you explain to listeners that maybe have never heard the word nurdle, what is a nurdle and, you know, why is it part of the name of your company? (laughs) That's a good question. I actually get asked that a lot. A lot of people are, they kind of look at the name of my company and they chuckle and then they say, nice name. And I'm like, oh, well, you know, and then it starts that conversation about what a nurdle is. So a nurdle is a pre-production plastic pellet and It is this tiny little piece of plastic that pretty much every consumer good that we see and encounter in our day-to-day activities is melted down from. So like water bottles, toys, even like um, synthetic clothing, it's it's all melted down from these little plastic pellets and cast or blown up with air into what it becomes. So they are in the top 10% of ocean plastic polluters. And we find them in huge numbers here in Hawaii. We, I mean, across the globe, people are finding them because oftentimes there are a lot of container shipment spills. So like entire containers of them are lost. And they also, when they're made, they blow or wash or roll onto like railway tracks because that's where they're sent from the factories onto into the railways. So then they kind of wash when there's rain or blow down into the the waterways and they eventually all end up in the ocean. So long story short, I was sitting there looking at all these nurdles on the beach and I was kind of thinking, huh, these are kind of like the diamond of the of the plastic pollution problem and they're like these tiny little polished gems almost. And so I wanted to talk a little bit about, with the name, I wanted to talk a little bit about the potential for change and the potential to find something good even in a dark and ugly place. So 
you find like a an uncut a raw diamond and it doesn't look like much when it's cut down it it is actually something beautiful and valuable and i'm i'm trying to use this as a metaphor that we have the potential to change this problem turn it around and i'm making this jewelry to start conversation to get people thinking about how much plastic they're using in their daily lives you know you're a business owner and the main material that you're using to create your products these pieces of jewelry is trash it's waste on the beach or wherever you find it what is it like using trash as the main commodity for your business well it's kind of an interesting thing because i mean i'm ideally trying to put myself out of business (laughs) and most businesses don't start out and attempt to do that it's this funny feeling of like finding this this waste that is just extremely destructive and kind of depressing to to look at and i'm trying to use it to make something good happen so it's for me it's a lot of things it's a personal journey for me to be a little bit less distressed every time i go and clean the beach that's kind of how it started i was like well this is horrible <laughs> and I need to know what to do with all of this sadness and anger and anxiety. And what I tend to try and do is look for some good in things. And so this is my way of doing that. Yeah. So in terms of the trash that you find on the beach during your beach cleanups to try to collect material for your jewelry, you come across a lot of materials that you're not going to use for your jewelry. Do you just not pick it up or do you pick it up and then do something else with it? How does that work for you? Well, there are actually a lot of a lot of little avenues that this marine debris ends up going through. Like I go on a lot of cleanups with Hawaii Wildlife Fund, and they have been working for the past 20 years here on the Big Island to really clean the coastlines, the Ka'u coastlines and Camilo Beach. So they have a lot of programs in place that they are either um, sending like drift nets to Oahu, to the incinerator to be burned for energy, or they're in contact with a lot of scientists. So there's a scientist in Japan also that they're in connection with that uses um, marine debris lighters. He collects them and he uses them to map ocean currents. Actually, we also send a lot of debris to other artists who are using the debris. So sometimes we're collecting black plastic, sometimes we're collecting round things. And there have been programs that we've been collecting debris for Method Home. They were using it for um, soap bottles that they were melting it down, I guess, and making soap bottles from it. So I do pick up everything I see, which is kind of difficult. It's very slow progress down the beach, but it's it's hard for me not to. I don't selectively only pick up things that I'll use because that's kind of not the point for me. So I usually carry two bags, two coffee sacks that are burlap. And so I'm dragging these two bags along and I fill one with debris that I won't use. Sometimes it'll be sorted to go to different places. A lot of it does end up in a landfill, unfortunately. We try to limit the amount that goes to landfill, so we try and find other homes for it. But to me, it's better to end up in the landfill than in the ocean. Neither of those (laughs) are good solutions. But I mean, the solution ultimately lies in using less plastic and closing the loop. So I'd say I probably use about like 5% of what I pick up. It's a really small percentage, but there's so much debris that that is an enormous amount. (laughs) Yeah. And so to kind of get back to the beginnings of Nurdle in the Rough and 
how this came to be, how you started creating jewelry using ocean plastics. You actually are a metalsmith. You're the first metal worker that I'm having on the podcast. <laughs> um, cool. What gave you the inspiration to combine your love for the ocean and, you know, the sadness that you were feeling seeing a lot of plastic pollution with your skills in metalworking in this way? Because I think it's a really unique combination. Thank you. Well, I was trained as a metalsmith. That's what I went to school for. So I have a, a background in craft, in metalworking and glassblowing. And I think that it's really important for every human being on this planet to really think about like what we're passionate about individually and apply that in a way that makes change for the better in this world. So for me, I'm really passionate about metalsmithing and making jewelry. It's something that kind of activates me. And I grew up in Hawaii, so I've always loved our oceans. And I spent a lot of time, you know, like floundering around in tide pools and looking at sea cucumbers and stuff. So I just, I really connect with our oceans. And the more I researched and the more I heard about how much plastic is in our oceans, the more I just started thinking like, I need to do something about this. And I need to do something about this in a way that I can actually sustainably for myself, take on the problem, you know, because I'm, I'm an artist, I'm not trained as a marine biologist, I'm not technically like an environmentalist. So I was trying to, to weave those two things together. And this is this is what I came up with. My business, when I started it, it's completely different now than what I thought it would be. Like, I was actually, I was living in Richmond, Virginia, and I was working as a goal. And after work, start like attacking plastic pollution. I ended up collecting plastic bags from a, my local grocery store out of the trash cans. I got kind of, <laughs> I got kind of crazy. And I started going there after work and just looking around and seeing how much plastic waste was in our grocery stores and how much plastic litter was on our streets and seeing all that go down into the river, which eventually drains to sea. And I started cutting up all these plastic bags really angrily. And then I eventually realized that I didn't want to destroy anything. I wanted to fix it. So I started sewing them all together. And over the next 500 hours, I sewed this quilt for a baby whale, and that gave me a lot of time to start thinking about what I actually wanted to do with my skills and with all of this anger and my passion. And that was kind of the, the piece that sent me on this journey back home, back to Hawaii, where I was able to come down to Camilo Beach. That's where a lot of this debris is washing in from. Camilo, traditionally, the name means twisting currents, and a lot of open ocean debris comes in there. Back in the day, it used to be just wood and coconuts and things from, like, all over the world, but now it's mostly plastic. So as a kid, I had never seen that before, and I don't think that it was probably even half as bad as it is today. But I was able to see and connect see this problem on the shores of Hawaii once I had moved back. And from there, my business started to really come together. Can you walk us through the process of, say, a pair of earrings or a necklace? The process that piece of plastic that you find on the beach goes through from that stage all the way till it gets to the customer? Obviously, you know, I know it <laughs> takes you a while, but, you know, basically what happens? 
Um, well, it's, I wish that I could have some sort of a virtual tour on my website that I could really walk people through what this what this process entails because it, there is a lot that goes into it and and from just not even the creative standpoint but just actually physically collecting the debris. Um, I don't want to get too rambly um, about this, but like where I go to collect most of this debris is about an hour and a half drive from where I live. So I usually have to start out pretty early um, before the sun comes up. So I drive, it's 45 minutes of really four-wheel driving off-road through very sharp, kind of treacherous lava fields to this really remote location where all this plastic is washing in. And so I go down there, either with Hawaii Wildlife Fund or by myself or with a group of friends, and we will do a beach cleanup. So I go through the process of getting my little trash bag and my keep bag and I'll go through and I kind of have developed this weird sixth sense of being able to look at a piece of plastic and kind of like look through the layers of it to see if it would be interesting as jewelry or not. And I'm starting to see patterns in the debris that's washing up. I know that I've actually worked with some of this material before, which is interesting. A lot of it's coming from the fishing industry, actually. So when I find certain objects, I'm like, oh, well, I know what this looks like polished down. So once I do collect the plastic, I'll take it and I take it home and I wash it um, and I sanitize it. I scrub every single piece because a lot of it has like algae growing on it. And once I've cleaned all the plastic, then I dry it and then I take it and I sort it and I photograph it and I number it because I want everyone to be able to see what their jewelry was before it was jewelry. Because I think that's a really important part of the story to connect people with this problem. To be able to say, oh, well, this was actually a construction helmet. You know, you like these earrings or so it feeds that conversation. So once all of that is done, then I take my sorted, numbered, photographed and edited plastic and I I store it in actually baskets that I found that are marine debris themselves Um, and then I take the plastic and I I take it over to my plastic cutting area I have little areas set up in my studio Um, and I start start looking at it and kind of curating and if I see interesting pattern work in the plastic I'll, I'll go after those areas and I'll start cutting around them And I have a whole vacuum system where I start my grinding. It's kind of like stone cutting a little bit. And so I take the plastic to the grinding area and all of the filings and the powder and all the fine bits are reclaimed. So they're they're taken. They're not going into the air. They're not going into the waterway. I take them and I really carefully bag them up and they do end up in the landfill because I actually haven't found a good thing to do with those yet. Um, Maybe I will eventually. But so I I take that and it's a slow process of going through finer and finer grits and I grind this plastic down until it's really smooth and shiny and the surface, it does end up looking kind of like stone because a lot of this texture that nature imparts on the plastic, all the weathering, all the sun damage, it really creates some interesting compositions on the plastic. So once all of that, once they are made into little gemstones, I start fabricating the metal parts to them. So all of my pieces are either set in settings or they have metal backings because I just I want them to last as long as possible. And all of my metal is recycled sterling silver as well. So I take silver sheet and I start tracing out the plastic gems. And depending on how I'm fabricating the piece, it's a long process of just... Uh, 
a lot of technical metalsmithing things of cutting and grinding and texturing and putting patinas on and soldering and just like doing all the connecting, putting it all together. And then I do some finished work on it. And then I take finished pieces and photograph them and edit them and put them up on my website. So it's, it is a long process and I I hope that kind of answers your question, but it's hard to verbally explain it. I'm kind of a hands-on person. So yeah, no, I mean, I think the biggest takeaway from your description is that it's a very in-depth process and you really put a lot of care and time into each piece of jewelry and finding the beauty in this plastic pollution and and turning it into something beautiful. So, I mean, I know the earrings that you made for my sister, I absolutely love. I was kind of upset when I actually gave them to her because I wanted to <laughs> keep them for myself. But um, I yeah. love those ones. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And she wears them all the time. And it's it's so great. So that actually brings me to to another great topic is that a main thing you hope for with your jewelry that you make is that they'll act as conversation starters, you know, so that they'll spark conversation about the plastic pollution that is the jewelry. So what kind of feedback have you gotten in terms of conversations that customers have told you about or conversations that you have with people when, you know, you attend an event? What kind of feedback do you get in terms of the conversations that your jewelry is starting? It's actually fantastic. It's overwhelmingly positive. And it's it's an interesting thing because when you approach a stranger, when you're trying to make small talk, you know, you're talking to someone, you're noticing things about them as you're approaching them, um, points of connection. Jewelry is just traditionally, historically, it's a fantastic conversation starter. So whenever I know, whenever I personally wear some of my jewelry, which is pretty much every day because I have a huge collection of it, whenever I wear it, people are always approaching me and it's funny because when I first started, I was like, this is what I want to do. Like you said, I do want this jewelry to start conversation. So when I first started and people were approaching me, I was like, wow, this is working. I felt like a mad scientist or something, but um, it's alive, you know. So yeah, people come up to me and they're like, wow, I love your earrings. And um, I'm like, oh, well, they're actually, they're ocean plastic. And, you know, they kind of nod and they're like, wow. And I can see they're like, I get it. And then I see this, like, I don't get it. And then they say, well, what do you mean ocean plastic? You know? And so from there we start talking about like the story of this jewelry, where it came from. And that's where it's always interesting to tie in. Like, yeah, this used to be a detergent bottle. And they're like, what really? And so we, we get to talking about how much plastics in our oceans. And if I'm lucky, I get to kind of talk about like, yeah, so a good thing to do is start limiting use and that's that's pretty much the feedback I've gotten from everyone who's ever ordered something from me people are like oh you know this is just people really do talk to me about my jewelry and it's a great way to start a conversation with a complete stranger about something that how otherwise would you start this conversation it's kind of a depressing topic you know to just jump in like hey do you know how much plastics in our oceans and it allows for people to approach you about something instead of just like getting up on a soapbox and or throwing paint on someone's fur coat you know it's like it's kind of guerrilla warfare to me because it's taking something really ugly and making it beautiful and making it kind of irresistible so that people have to kind of bite you know they have to come to you and I feel like people are a lot more people are more receptive when they come to to me with the questions, you know, when they, when the conversation is opened up 
um, in this way that's a little bit less aggressive. I also have heard that there's this rule of seven, like there people have to have encounters with an issue or with before they actually start implementing change in their lives. So I feel like if someone has heard about the problem of ocean plastic pollution and they, you know, it, they encounter it and they talk with people about it, um, I'm just trying to provide one more experience for them to talk about it in their lives where they where they can finally start thinking like when they go to the grocery store oh well I actually don't need this plastic bag for two onions you know or hey maybe I can actually get this detergent in a cardboard box instead of a bottle of liquid soap and so you've mentioned Hawaii Wildlife Fund a few times while we've been talking so far and for listeners actually 10% of all the proceeds that Kat gets with her jewelry goes to Hawaii Wildlife Fund. Why did you choose Hawaii Wildlife Fund to support them through your endeavors? Um, well, I am like Hawaii Wildlife Fund's number one fan. You could probably tell because I'm like Hawaii Wildlife Fund. Hawaii Fund. Um, they are the biggest, smallest nonprofit organization here who is working with this problem and actually making huge progress with it. They're, they're pretty much the only reason that Camilo Beach is not 15 foot high dunes of nothing but plastic because when they first went down there, I think it was 2005, there was so much debris on the beach. They had an excavator, they had a dump truck, which if you knew the road, you would, you would understand what a feat just that is, bringing those equipment down there. But they've been working for 20 years on this island, working kind of slowly and quietly, removing this debris and bringing volunteers together. They're just, I've just seen firsthand how fantastic they are and what an impact they have made in our community. So just working so closely with them, they're, they're so supportive of me. It's hard for me to think of supporting anyone else because they're just so good at their job. Um, and so over the past 20 years, they've removed 200,000 tons of debris from this island and from they've had some other cleanup efforts on other islands too but it's mostly I think 180,000 of that is from the big island so they're a great organization and they're really small I'm friends with all of their full-time employees and I just I want to lend as much financial support and on the ground support as possible. Yeah, well, it's great that you're contributing 10% of all your proceeds to them. It's clearly an amazing, another amazing aspect to what you do in, in really showing how what you're making and what you're doing is really trying to give back as much as possible. And so I want to bring up kind of a particular topic. And this is something that I saw recently on your social media channels were some rings that you made just after the outcome of the U.S. presidential election was announced. And I really thought that what you made in response to the the election was really touching and it really spoke to me and I think a lot of other people that follow you based on the comments and things that you were getting. So basically you made these rings. They're small metal rings and the kind of gemstone, as you put it, are little black nurdles, these little black pieces of plastic. And mm -hmm. you're calling them silver lining rings. And it's basically like, let me provide you with a little bit of silver lining because to you, isn't it's, it's difficult to find the silver lining because of the outcome of the election. Can you talk a little bit about the silver linings rings? You know, 
what's the meaning behind them and how has the response been so far from customers and people that, that are in your network? After the election, the results started becoming clear. I think like half the country and a lot of the world, I was I was pretty confused and I was pretty distressed because of the, I, I won't go into the politics of it. I think that a lot of us understand, but mostly I was feeling like I didn't want to get out of bed the next day because <laughs> I was really sad. So instead of just wallowing and feeling really upset, I decided to come into the studio um, and try and get something done, anything done, because I didn't feel like there was anything anything good that was going to come out of me that day. So I started making these rings. I was just kind of single-mindedly focusing on this task of creating these these rings and these settings for some reason I don't even really remember why I think it was just kind of like trying to come up with a monotonous productive thing to do and as I started making them I realized I was I was making them out of black nurdles because I was feeling kind of dark and I was patinaing I was a black patina on all of the silver and I realized that I was just making these little black rings and so I was like well why am I obsessively making these black rings other than to have something productive to do to get me through this so that I can kind of take my mind off of things and I started cleaning them up and realizing that I was polishing a little silver lining around the the black stones around the setting I was making a really high finish polished silver so I started realizing, oh, well, I'm making silver linings. And it seemed almost a little cliche to me. But at the time, I couldn't see anything positive in the situation, the outcome of the election. So it was almost my little tongue in cheek, like, well, I can't see it. So I'm going to manufacture it. I'm going to actually like make a little, a little tidbit of a silver lining. And my main goal was to make something that I could actually make a difference with because my jewelry is my way of making a difference. It's my way of starting conversation. It's my way of being an activist. So I was kind of like, well, I can sell these rings and I can donate. When I first started them, I was like, I will donate 100% of the sales to the Union of Concerned Scientists because they do some really important work um, combating climate change and global warming and a lot of things in agriculture. So I started making these rings to raise money for them because I felt like if our government was going to fail on the on the global scale of making climate change and um, inspiring other countries to to make steps towards ending climate change, reducing climate change, then I was going to do what I could as a citizen, as one small little person, to contribute financially and in whatever way I could to supporting the efforts of scientists who are working to reduce the impacts of global warming. So the response was huge. This was one of my most successful, I guess, um, posts, people really did light up because I think they understood and they felt so similarly with this anger and this feeling like, what can we do about this? The The response was huge. And after the first batch I made, I realized, I was like, well, I don't have enough money to actually buy more silver um, to make the next batch of rings. So for my second batch, I'm going to um, release as 100% of the profits goes to Union of Concerned Scientists, because otherwise it's not going to be sustainable for me. But we did raise um, over $800 within 24 hours. So it was a it was a really big response. And I'm so excited to make that donation. And I'm going to continue to make these rings for the next four years or however long I need to, to 
to make some sort of a contribution, a lasting contribution, financial contribution to the Union of Concerned Scientists and other nonprofit groups that are working towards um, humanitarian efforts that I that a lot of concerns have been raised about also with the outcome of this election. So I think we're going to switch it up. I'm going to ask people what what they would like to see the funds go to. But yeah, I'm committed. I'm committed to continue making these rings and I'm really excited about them. And I think other people are too, because it's just, it's a nice physical reminder of people who are very passionate and who are trying to make change happen for the better in this world. Yeah. Well, for listeners, if you have been inspired by what Kat has said today about her jewelry and the process that it goes through to become jewelry from plastic pollution or about the silver linings rings or all of the work that she's doing with Hawaii Wildlife Fund. When I post this podcast episode, I will be linking to nerdleintherough.com. That's Kat's website. So you guys can find all of her jewelry there and as well as her blog. And then I'll also link to her social media channels, which is where I initially connected with her she's on facebook instagram twitter and pinterest so i'll be linking to all of that so if you were inspired by what she said today you can connect with her send her a message buy some jewelry ask her some questions anything that you want i think that she clearly is someone that's open to any and all opportunities to continue to create more change for the ocean and the betterment of the planet so i highly recommend recommend reaching out to her and kat i want to thank you so much for all the positive change that you create for the ocean every day through your jewelry and inspiration and i also want to thank you for being on the show today i i really enjoyed talking with you Thank you so much, Allison. And the same goes for you. I want to thank you for all of your hard work and your advocacy. And I, I've really appreciated the chance to be on your show. You just heard Kat Crable, Hawaii-based jewelry maker, sparking conversations about ocean plastic with her company, Nurdle in the Rough. To learn more about the topics discussed in this podcast, visit my website at oceanallison.com and tune into next week's episode to hear another conversation between me and someone creating positive change for the ocean.